All right, let me get my mic set. Thank you, sir. How's everybody doing? I'm excited to be here. And we're ready to host you. The question is, are you ready for a breakthrough? Just kidding. Not one of those videos. You know, welcome to the family reunion. I see all my buddies here, buddies from the Deaf Ministry, uh, Santa Barbara, Simi Valley, Shoreline, San Fernando Valley. It's just great to be together. I even see you in the back row, and it's good to have you here. Yeah, we get together. It's just one big family reunion. It's the North Region, and it's an awesome one. And I hope you're ready for the preaching of God's Word. You know, today's a story about vision. And sometimes you are so clear in the vision that God has for you. Other days you feel like you lack direction. I want to draw your attention to a picture. Well, let's back up. There we go. It's kind of barren. 1920, plain. Empty, doesn't have all that much to offer. But 84 years later, it's a picture of the San Fernando Valley. You say, what a transformation. This is actually Topanga Canyon. If you, if you blow this up big enough, you will see yourself sitting in the Warner Center Marriott right now. But without a vision... It would have been stuck at the first picture. But people saw something great. They saw an opportunity. And they started planting fruit trees. And then all kinds of people started moving here. And now we have what we have today. Just a thriving area in so many ways. You know, sometimes you feel like this picture in color, vibrant, other times you feel like the stagnant, barren wasteland. You know, the good news is that we serve a God that has a vision for you. You say, what's it entail? He says, I want to gather you together. I want to put you in a big family. I want to make you united. I want to make you connected. It's going to be awesome. We're all going to work together. When we get together, it's just going to be amazing relationships. Who doesn't want that? He said, I want to cleanse you. Joe talked about that in his communion talk. I mean, what a privilege that, that we can be cleansed, that we can live life guilt-free. And I need cleansing every day, every hour of every day. Before we became disciples, we weren't cleansed. We woke up hopeless, empty, unhappy with who we are. But then God says, I don't want to stop there. I want to give. You know, we, we worship a giving God. He wants us to live life to the full. He's like, no, I just don't want to save you. I want you to have an amazing life. Say, what's he want to give? He wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And Tommy read this verse, but go to Ezekiel 36. We're going to be spending our whole time in this book. And God says through Ezekiel in verse 24 to 28, 
Right? We'll take you out of the nations. And we'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people. And I will be your God. You know what I love most about this passage is not just the vision that God says I have for you. It's how personal it is to God. He says, here's all the great things I'm going to do. But let me tell you, here's how I see it. This is God. He says, I will be your God. And you will be my people. Yeah, I love weddings. They're my favorite thing about ministering. I mean, because it's just so happy. It's just awesome. You know, when the ring goes on the finger, it's like, you're mine. You know, it's personal now. And God is saying, you're mine. Hey, this is what I have for you. You'll be my God. Or I'll be your God. You'll be my people. So what do you think? So often when it comes to visions, you know, you can have vague visions like, oh, yeah, bro. Hey, you're going to do great things. Clap, clap, clap. No, God says, I'm with you. I've got amazing plans. And I'm going to get involved. And you're going to be mine. And I'm going to be yours. You know, you look at that picture of the San Fernando Valley, you could expand it to Southern California to look at all the different valleys and areas within the North region. You could feel so insignificant. Like, really, does my life make a difference? I mean, is it that big of a deal for my vision? And God answers you, and he says, oh, yes. When no one else is around, if you're feeling lonely, God wants you to know. He wants to be your God. And he wants you to be his people. Now, having a new heart and a new spirit, a clean slate, a new life, who doesn't want that? Yeah, I'm excited to introduce a couple to you from Santa Clarita West and Rochelle Jones. They're over there. Stand on up. They're getting baptized today at 5 o'clock. Wes and Rochelle are an awesome couple up in Santa Clarita. Hopefully you don't meet Wes on the job because he's CHP. Just fellowship him. But they're fired up about God's vision for their life. They want a new heart. They want a new spirit. They said, oh yeah, they get to become your brother and sister in Christ today. You see, God has a vision for you. He wants you to thrive. He he wants you to experience the full life and multiply. You know, too often, here's how we feel. We kind of feel like the state of California. You know, California is the number one agricultural producer in the entire U.S. 
I mean, I could bore you with all the stats, but I mean, it's unbelievable the percentages that California produces. And hopefully this is not news to you, but we're in a drought. You know, the potential to thrive and to fulfill this vision for a a fertile state and all the awesome needs that it can meet, the, the potential is there. But this year, we're not living it out. Why? Because we're in a drought. We need rain. And maybe this is how your life is. We go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Starting in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. And He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, Maybe this is the question you're asking this morning. Can these bones live? You know, I think Ezekiel kind of like wimped out in his answer here. He gave the spiritual answer because I think his heart had a different one. But he says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. You know why? Because he was going to say, no, they can't live. They're too dry. They're dead. I mean, here's Ezekiel the prophet, and he's like, oh, God, you know. (laughs) You know you're in a sad place when you can't even have faith for somebody else. Because it's a lot easier to have faith for somebody else. Oh, bro. Sister, God's going to totally bless you. You're going to do great things. It's going to be amazing. And you know where our battle normally is? With ourself. We're not convinced that God can make our bones live. Like, I'm dry. I'm dead. I'm empty. I don't know. Bro, you are going to do great things, but I'm not sure about me. You know you're in a sad place where you can't even have faith for somebody else. And Ezekiel sees these dry bones and God says, can they live? He goes, you alone know. He goes on. So we read verse 4 through 10. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. And as I as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I love this story. 
You know, this is one of those passages you can read about once a month or maybe once every month, and it will apply to how you're feeling. It's about vision. It's about revival. And we reach those moments where we just feel empty and stagnant, and we go, I... I know Jesus promised me a great life. I know he promised me life to the full. But I feel like I'm in a drought. I feel like my prayers bounce off the clouds. I try and help people, but there's no response. I want to overcome things in my character. And it's not changing. And I used to believe in the vision. But now I'm just asking the questions. Can these bones live? You know what he said? Hear the word of the Lord. Have you given me permission to preach the word of the Lord to you today? You say, well, well, nobody asked me if you got to preach the sermon. What do you mean? I just showed up and you're the one. I told Santa Clarita, hey, sorry, the regional service, you got to hear me. I know you like to hear other people, but you got to hear me. You travel all the way down. Oh, well. No, you know what? Nobody asked you, but that's not what the question is. You see, every time the Word of God is preached, every time you open your Bible, you have to give it permission to impact your heart. And that's why two people could sit right next to each other, or right across the aisle, hear the same sermon or read the same passage and one goes, this is amazing. It's so impacting. And the other says, eh. Why'd you pick Ezekiel? What's Ezekiel? What's, you know, can he come out of the New Testament? You've got to give permission for your heart to be changed. So you got a chance right now to be changed. But give the word of, of the Lord permission. Now, sometimes when we're in a bad place, we do this. We go, I don't need a new heart. This is a good sermon for other people. I'm just fine. I mean, Ron, I mean, I appreciate the drought example, but not everything in the desert dies. You ever been to a desert? And we go into desert survival mode. Here's the first one. It's the prickly pear. It's cactus. I just called it ouch. You say, what is this symbolic of? The relationships of somebody who are in desert survival mode. Nobody gets close. You come challenge me, you will pay the price. I will make sure it never happens again. If it's authoritative enough, we might even invoke sins of the past decade to try and get the cactus spines going. You know why? Because we don't want anyone to discover what's really going on. The spines are a defense mechanism. So what are your relationships like? How connected are they? One of the greatest things I appreciate about the kingdom of God is the friendships and family that I have. And it's it's amazing. We've now been up in Santa Clarita nine years, but you come to you come to a a family reunion here. 
And I see friends I've been friends with for over two decades now. And I go, this is amazing. You know what? I knew a lot of people before I became a Christian, but I didn't have relationships. I didn't have people that knew what my life was all about. They didn't know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I wasn't honest. I'd tell them everything was great when it was lousy. I became a Christian, and I was just full of relationships where I could be honest and real. Yeah, when you're in desert survival mode, you don't trust. You don't give the benefit of the doubt. You're not sure where they're coming from. They're trying to run your life. Somebody can be trying to help you, and you're like, why are you trying to run my life? You're trying to control me. You know, if we're going to live out God's vision, you got to understand something. You're going to hear this again and again and again. You cannot give away what you don't have. You want to impact somebody else's life? You know what the, you want them to do? You want them to trust you. But how are they going to learn to trust you if you don't trust people? You know, I'm really proud of a, 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 a brand new baby disciple up in, in Santa Clarita. His name is Achilles Cortez. And Achilles was just baptized a couple weeks ago. And Achilles was a prickly pear. And he would tell you, the people that were supposed to love me and protect me throughout my entire life hurt me and abandoned me. And he goes, I can tell you what my issue was. It was trust. But he said, I am so grateful for the brothers that studied the Bible with me and through the talks at men's retreat and the friendships. He goes, I learned to trust and it's totally changed my life. His wife, Esme, was baptized in December and she shared at Achilles' baptism. He said, she's sharing to the audience. She goes, you guys need to understand. Achilles now is not the man I married. And I love it. That's what a new heart and a new spirit will give you. But if your relationships are like a prickly pear, if you don't trust, I want to I challenge you to repent in that area. There's no way you're going to have close friendships without ever being sinned against. That's just a part of the Christian life. And I feel bad for anyone that, you know, when we sin against each other. But you will either be sharpened as iron sharpens iron and we will draw closer. Or you will be stuck by cactus barbs and you will end up isolated and lonely. You know, the next uh, desert survival mode is this, the tumbleweed. (laughs) Roll with it. You see, a tumbleweed... You know, just wherever the wind blows, it is where it goes. And it kind of prides itself on, hey, I just roll with it. But you know what the the issue is with a tumbleweed? It's not connected anywhere. It's not grounded. It doesn't build any depth. It just rolls. Wherever the wind blows. And you know what? The, The tumbleweed, the roll with the desert mentality is... Hey, I'm just going to kind of go with whatever happens. Nothing's going to phase me. 
One day this, one day that. I'm great. You know what the only problem is? There's no roots and no depth. You want to impact somebody else's life? You got to ground them. You got to root them in. But you can't give away what you don't have. Yeah, one of the greatest things about the fellowship is that we can corral tumbleweeds. It's my friend, Nathan Loting. Oh, went ahead. There's Nathan. Nathan's awesome. I think I've known Nathan since he was like one or two years old. And I, I was trying to Photoshop out his ugly shirt. He should be wearing a King's shirt. Go Kings in Game 7. It's a hockey fan. Anyway, Nathan's awesome, but bad sports team's taste. Anyway, Nathan's journey started in Washington, D.C. With his family and the church. And then the wind blew them across the country to the deaf ministry here in the San Fernando Valley. And the deaf ministry got to help corral tumbleweed. And then he started growing up. And then the marrieds and the family ministry. And then Gary and Claudia Smith were corralling him in the teen ministry. And then the wind blew him on up to Santa Clarita. And he got baptized in the campus ministry and go, you know what's amazing about this? Is how many parts of the north region helped corral him and lead him to get grounded and rooted in. He's doing awesome. You know why his parents could have that impact? You know why Gary and Claudia could have that impact? The deaf ministry, because people are grounded. And when you're grounded, you have something to root people into. You know, I'm proud of Nathan, but I'm proud of the North Region and the teamwork to bring him on into the kingdom of God. So if you're a tumbleweed, if you're not locked in, I encourage you, get roots. Get committed. Change your schedule. Attend everything. Be vulnerable in relationships. The next part of desert survival. Did it go? There we go. This is the whatever. You say, what is whatever? It's when somebody tells you something, you kind of get an attitude, and you're like, "Ah, whatever. This is that. Now, this is a special plant. This is the blue agave plant. grows in Jalisco, in Mexico. Now, some of you may already know where I'm going, but this is a special plant. And so they don't just let it grow. they got, they got to prune it and they got to harvest it. Why? Well, because it's got a big stalk that grows up. But you know what's amazing about the blue agave? Is they cut off that stalk because they don't want any energy wasted. They want all of the effects of the growth to impact the heart of the plant. You say, well, for what purpose? Tequila. 
by the way, just a little known fact here. This is, I'm going to say it wrong, but tequila le pasión azteca. That'll set you back $150,000 for this bottle of tequila. They say, what's, what, you know, what's this desert survival? No pain is no pain. This is the people that are numbing out so I don't get hurt and I don't feel pain. You say, well, in what way? Could be a hobby. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be prescription drugs. It could be shopping. It could be eating. It could be watching movies. It's wherever you go so you don't feel the pain. Says your heart's sensitive. Is it connected? You know, nobody likes to feel pain, but it's just part of the Christian life. It's why there's a cross. And Jesus tells us to go to the cross, not to the bottle. And our maturity is challenged when we feel pain, when somebody sins against us, when we lay down our life. And there's no response. If our spouse treats us wrong, if our parents treat us wrong, if our kids treat us wrong, you know what? It's a test. Are you going to go to the cross? Are you going to go to the desert wasteland of being numbed out? You know, the fact is, if you want to impact another life, you will never do it disconnected. You won't even care. If somebody's lost when you're disconnected, you certainly won't want to stay up late or get up early. You'll be spending your time to further numb out so you're not bothered by the pain. You know, when you're connected, exciting things happen. Triplets. Now, the Sunday after our men's retreat came down to Castaic and we had uh, two teens and a campus girl get baptized. Oh, I cut off the top two names. We have uh, Sabrina, Vanessa, and Pam got baptized. And there's family in the water with them and there are about 100 people around celebrating. You know what? You had people that were connected If you're going to call somebody to connect, your heart must be connected. How deeply will you allow yourself to hurt? Jesus ultimately said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Desert survival will never build the glorious vision that God has planned for us. He said, what are we going to do? How are we going to get there? We need to drink deeply from the Spirit. You know, there were various stages of the revival process in God's discussion with Ezekiel. First of all, there was the rattling of the bones. Maybe that's where you feel like you're at. I'm trying, but there's a lot of creaking and rattling noises. Yes, we are aging. Sometimes our hearts get hard and it's, it's difficult 
to make a change. But he got the tendons and he got the skeleton. You know, it was kind of like the mummy when it was rebuilding itself, if you saw that movie. They said, you know, you got the human form there, but there was no life. They said, how are we going to get there? It says, we need God. We need His Spirit. We can be a human, but not a spiritual human without the Spirit of God. Say, are you thirsty? I got some practicals for you. Here's the first one. Here's first practical. Change your source. That dog is thirsty. We live in a society that won't even drink tap water. Got to have bottled water. But spiritually, some of us are drinking out of water that's got floaties in it. We spend more hours watching TV and surfing the internet and listening to songs with bad lyrics than we do praying and reading our Bibles. Let's be a whole lot less concerned about tap water and a whole lot more concerned about what the source of our spiritual drink is. You know, we do not live in a reading society. We don't like to read books. We like to watch movies. And sometimes we get to the point where we go, ah, you know, reading the Bible, I'm just not not really into that. And, and, And we start scaling back our nourishment. We have no problem nourishing ourselves off the toilet water that the world has to offer. I'll say, just ask yourself, how many hours each day do you spend drinking out of various sources? To say, have you picked the right one? The next practical, you got to persevere. If you're thirsty, you'll endure almost anything to get a drink. This dog's thirsty. He wanted a drink. You know, it's not easy to walk with God. There's good days and there's bad days. There's days that just feel glorious and then there's days that feel empty. But you've got to persevere. You say persevere in what way? Make it daily. Make it first. Don't walk with God at some point throughout the day. Make it the first part of your day. Be consistent. Get through those obstacles. Don't take no for an answer. Persevere with God. And pray and beg and fast for the focus you need to break through. Here's another practical. Carry a huge mug. Now, this is actually a coffee mug that is 100 ounces that is still for sale at uh, a chain of gas stations in the Midwest. Interesting stat here. If you fill that up with uh, soda, 
It has a pound, and then you evaporate it all out, a pound and a half of sugar. A pound and a half of sugar. If you're thirsty, you're going to carry a big mug. Just in case. There's a parable of the widow's oil. And some brought extra. Some didn't bring enough. Then the bridegroom came and they were out. If you aim low, you're going to run out. This little guy, he knows where it's at. They said, don't give me no chintzy eight-ounce mug. I want the hundred ounce. Say, what is your mentality in your spiritual life about your mug? Say, how big of a container can God fill in your life? Yeah, we're having a, a dinner with Greg and Denise Lotane, and I don't know if it was Greg or Denise, but brought up goes, you remember how we used to have D times every Friday night at 930? And I'm like, really? Was it 930? And they go, yeah, for about three and a half, four years. It was us, it was the Collins, and it was Lucheras. And we all had kids. And Friday night, 9.30 p.m., we would have D-time every week. And we'd be together till 11.30 or midnight. You know, we loved it. It was some of our most victorious, fruitful times. I started laughing when I heard that, and I go, ooh, Friday at 9.30. So I wonder how that would go over. And then I thought about... How big's the mug we have? You see, every time we get together for D time, or we have a quiet time, or we go to midweek, or our services, or we have fellowship, or hospitality, or dates, or devotionals, or retreats, or conferences, or leaders' meetings, or just plain old friendship time, we're expanding the mug that God can fill up. In our life with the Spirit. You know, I think in some cases we're thirsty. We're coming out of a drought. And all the water that we want is being made available to us. But we're, we're trying to quench our thirst with a little espresso demitasse cup. You say, what do you mean? I think in some cases we've, we've traded in victory. For comfort. We traded growth for sensitivity to the family. We surrendered multiplication in order to maintain what we have. We've given up asking what is best. We started asking what's most efficient. And we traded in God's vision for our own. You know, the thing is, when you got a mug, a big mug that's full of God's Spirit, you can help quench somebody else's thirst. And this is an awesome picture right here. This is Kylie Tang, Chris and Rebecca's, one of their daughters. And this is Carl Johnson, 400-meter runner for UCSB. And Kylie and her mom, Rebecca, were going out on campus, and, and Carl had injured his ACL. And Kylie was noticed that 
Carl, Carl 6'8", as you can tell, had the biggest set of crutches that she's ever seen. But she went over and she reached out. And he came out to church and he had extra free time because he had an injured ACL and couldn't run. And he's your brother in Christ now. They say, why did that happen? Because Rebecca, she walks around with a big mug. And so she quenched the thirst of her daughter, Kylie. And so she's got a big mug. So she wanted to continue passing it on. You know, that's just the way it is. When you got a lot, you got something to share with people around. You know, I want to challenge each one of us to think about the vision that God has for you. I want us to go over to Ezekiel 37 in verse 15 through 19. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, Ephraim's stick, belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hand. When your countrymen ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and of the Israelites' tribe associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick, making them a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand. You see, God said, I got a vision. And he said, I'm going to take all my people. And he took half of them and he wrote their names on one side. And then he took the other half and wrote their names on the other. And he said, put them together and make them become one stick. And God says, they will become one in my hand. If you look on the screen... You see five different and valuable parts of the North region. Under each one of those letters, under the N is Santa Barbara. Under the O is Shoreline. Under the R, San Fernando Valley. The T is Simi Valley. And the H is the Santa Clarita Valley. You know, God has an amazing vision for the North region of what he wants to accomplish. And I want you to remember back to the opening slide when you see the San Fernando Valley and it was empty and it was barren and it looked like, wow, what's there to offer? And 84 years later, you see the picture of it all built up and all developed. Say, look around. When the L.A. Church started, the North Region was but a handful. And God's vision is not done. God's looking at the north and the five different parts of it. And he's saying, I'm going to make you one in my hand. And as we close out, I'd like to have Ron Quint go ahead and come on up to the stage.
Because we got our two sticks. Made by Rick Evans, a good craftsman up in Santa Clarita. And Ron does an amazing job lead us. And if you look, there it is. There's the north. It becomes one in God's hands. I'm going to give it to our faithful region leader, Ron Quint. So he can have this, and as he prays, he can be reminded of God's vision for the north region. Each one of you is represented at one part of that staff. You're part of God's vision. Say, have you heard the word of the Lord? Are you ready for a new heart and a new spirit? Say, just make sure you carry a big mug. God's vision is waiting for you. The choice is yours. Let's walk out today with a new heart and a new spirit and impact the lives of many as we fulfill God's vision. Amen.